and welcome to the TPM podcast with your host Mario Gerard. In this series of podcasting, I basically tried to get guests from various tech organizations to come and have conversations with us to tell us how their life as a TPM is in different companies. So I've interviewed people at Facebook, we've interviewed people at Google, at Oracle. The last one was a, a VP from Amazon, and and this time we have a very special guest with us. Viswa Mohanakrishnan, who's a senior TPM at Amazon. She works in the consumer payments team for Amazon.com. She's been in the tech industry for the last 10 years. She's had a variety of roles. So welcome to the show, Viswa. Why don't you tell us something about yourself? Hi, Mario. Thank you for having me here and for that wonderful introduction. A little bit about myself. I'm a senior TPM at Amazon, closing in on my one-year anniversary. Prior to Amazon, I worked at Expedia, Microsoft, and the Home Depot. For the gators out there, I'm a master's grad from the University of Florida. I started my career as a software engineer, Mario, at the Home Depot, where I learned the basics of building scalable web platforms. At Microsoft, I worked on the Skype plugin for Outlook Web. Those were the good old days when I was an estate, where I built the muscle of looking around corners, poking holes in tech designs, and questioning the product vision which surely helps me to this day as a TPM also. My longest stint was at Expedia, where I had the opportunity to grow as a tech lead and build a career as a TPM too. And that's your previous job, right? So Expedia was your previous job. Yes. Prior to Amazon, I was with Expedia close to five years. Cool. Yeah. Currently at Amazon, I work for the consumer payments or where I'm the program owner for the currency conversion portfolio. And I think we'll be talking about it at length today. Cool. So so some things which I wanted to tell all our listeners, this one I are going to be talking at length about what her journey, her first year at Amazon, what the journey looks like. And it's definitely going to have a lot of components which are definitely specific to Amazon. But as you listen to this, understand that most tech companies generally work on the same principles. And her experience as she talks through it is going to be very, very similar to any experience you'd have in any tech company when you're starting as a TPM in a large tech company. It's going to be very, very similar. So why don't I get it started off asking a very fundamental question. How is Amazon different from other places you've worked at? Excellent question, Mario. This is common information, yet it took me by surprise. The first thing I noticed when I started on day one at Amazon is the sheer scale of the company as a retailer and a technology giant. I have been, and till date, I'm still amazed at the size of the programs, the number of touch points, dependencies, the variety of stakeholders you work with. Also, a key point to note is the impressive fact, the quality and speed of delivery achieved at Amazon which continues to set the trend across the industry, tech industry, and continues to raise the bar at scale. And as I said earlier, till date, I'm amazed at how we operate. Yeah, I think a lot of people who aren't really part of the tech industry fail to understand how agile the tech industry is. I worked at organizations, in my current organization even, right, where we have like multiple thousands of people strong. But if you need something to be done across, say, a hundred different teams, you could possibly orchestrate something like that and get something out in two weeks, maybe even three weeks, right? The How nimble tech organizations are 
and how quickly they're able to react is seriously impressive. And though we learn agile from Scrum and all those things, this is one of the true fundamental areas where tech organizations, I think, really, really excel at. What do you think? Uh, Certainly, Mario. Yeah, certainly. We will be talking about the leadership principles with time, but one of the interesting conversations I had with my colleagues talks about how the leadership principles are framed to framed to highlight the agile manifesto, how we empower ourselves to function fast and how we could use these as guidelines to enable us to get there at a faster pace, making the right decisions. I don't want to give away too much about what's coming yeah. later in the podcast <laughs> as yet, but just a note on your point. So uh, moving on, we spoke a little bit about Amazon. How is the TPM role at Amazon different to other places you worked at in the past? Because you worked at Microsoft, you worked at Expedia, you worked at many other companies and you've spoken to a lot of other people. How do you think it's different at Amazon in particular? Amazon, as I said earlier, Mario, paved the path for TPMing as a discipline across the tech industry. And many companies, as far as I know, adopt best practices from Amazon such as correction of error, is a concept which has permeated the tech industry. And I believe Amazon is one of the trendsetters in that aspect. Likewise, even in the TPMing discipline, there are many skill sets which Amazon empowers people to learn and then spreads it across the industry. What's unique, though, is a circle back to the scale factor. When one is running programs that spans across multiple organizations with multiple stakeholders, We need to ensure the teams are aligned on the goals, the roadmap, and the communication is to be crystal clear. These luckier programs absolutely need to be broken down into smaller, achievable milestones. And among all this method to the madness, the voice of the customer continues to echo, should continue to echo from inception through delivery and even after. So in that aspect, in my opinion, Amazon is a great school of learning by doing, even for season TPMs. It is a space where you embrace the day one culture and continue to do it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, you spoke a little bit about a couple of different things. Yeah, we spoke about scale, right? Would you be able to give us like, what is the scale factor? When you say uh, running programs which are at scale, how big is this approximately? Just give us some general understanding. So certainly. So easily more than 100 million customers, as far as I know. And let's say there's a button on the page. You can easily implement it. But imagine that button is going to be clicked by 2 billion people at any given point in time. Then you need to think of the scale at which your page should perform. So that is what I mean by scale when I talk about how you work across multiple organizations for dependencies and the performance. Yeah, I think, thanks, Viswa. That was fantastic. That was a great example. And I think to add to what Viswa was saying, right, the sheer magnitude of the number of people who touch a change that you will be responsible for is so high. And when that is the case, it's almost impossible to foresee all the problems that might come. But that's the role of the TPM, right? You're working with a multitude of teams for a small program, like even changing a picture. But, and the impact is really, really large. So it's, it's really, the scale factor cannot be kind of overstated. And then, Miswa, you also spoke about the day one culture. Can you, for the people who don't know, can you elaborate a little bit more on the Amazon's day one culture? Certainly. So the day one philosophy is unique to Amazon. The philosophy empowers one to focus on the results and less on the process. 
When you imagine a company of this size functioning efficiently, sometimes people may tend to focus on the process and forget the end point, the goal, which is providing customer value. So the day one philosophy makes sure we do not get into that state. Day two is stasis according to our philosophy. So we want to continuously reinvent ourselves and think about the future and make sure we service our customers. It is a mindset that empowers you to have a high degree of ownership to stay curious and be scrappy and fast. And you also want to own an experimentation mindset where you embrace the new trends and exercise high velocity decision making, which enables teams to move fast. Well, that that was a little packed, but I I get the idea that uh, <laughs> that you're fundamentally trying to say that. This is our first year when innovations is just mm-hmm. fresh. Even if you've innovated for the last 100 days or 10 years, let's take a step back and say every day we're going to continue to deliver that kind of a value to our customers. And it's day one. We're just beginning our journey. Fundamentally, I think I think that's something to how the day one culture is, right? Did I paraphrase it reasonably accurately? You said it in the best possible way. Yes, Mario, that's true. Cool. As we were like talking about Amazon, the culture, let's also talk about the leadership principles, right? There are 14 leadership principles, I believe. And and the unique thing about what I hear from people is that the leadership principles are so embodied and are part of the decision-making framework for every small and big decision. And that it's so part of the culture, unlike in most organizations where you have leadership principles or, or guiding principles, which are not used often enough or just a poster on the wall. At Amazon, it's a very ingrained belief that every decision or every person is guided by the leadership principles. So why don't you take us through some of the leadership principles? Certainly, Mario. You said some of those things. There are indeed 14 leadership principles. The way I see it, these leadership principles act as a guiding path and a fabric that binds us all together. In fact, sometimes I consider that them as life principles, which can be even applied outside of work. I'll give an example. My manager recently shared a funny anecdote of and examples of how her son disagrees to eat a vegetable but after reasonable negotiation, commits to having it. Likewise, I can draw examples from my personal life where I exercise bias for action to go ahead and book that travel right after COVID completes, of course, and exercise frugality in multiple facets of life. I believe these leadership principles are set in a way to empower us to make decisions, effective decisions. At Amazon, every individual is considered a leader, Mario, and these leadership principles enable us to make decisions, as I said earlier, like two-way door and one-way door decisions and, and uh, take action using these principles as guidelines. And when you say a one-way door and two-way door, which is a very common Amazonian way to talk about things, can you explain to our listeners mm-hmm. like what's a one-way door and what's a two-way door? Absolutely. In simple terms, one-way door and two-way door decisions refer to irreversible and reversible decisions. Making high-velocity day decisions is a key aspect of the day one mindset, which enables teams to move fast, especially at this scale. So you want to find a balance between waiting for 90% or all information to be available for you to make a decision versus taking a call with only 60 to 70% of input you have at that point in time. This helps Amazonians to continue to innovate and retain that experimental mindset where it enables you to move fast and pull back if you think you've run into a situation or a scenario which is not as effective as you expected it to be. Yeah, 
That's very interesting. Like I, I feel that at certain organizations when I work in a more waterfall methodology like ages ago, sometimes there's this analysis paralysis phase where you're just waiting to collect information. That might take you like six months to just collect information for you to start your program. You're waiting for all mm-hmm. the breakdown, work breakdown structure to happen. You're waiting for the estimates to come in. And sometimes you probably don't need to do that if it's a two-way door because your decision can always be reversed if you make that decision to go ahead right now. If it's a one-way door, it's probably going to take you more effort to correct because the time and the energy your team are going to spend in correcting that mistake is going to get longer. Is that an accurate paraphrase of yes. what you said? Yes, Mario. I'll give you another example, which also ties the decision-making process back to the leadership principles. During my onboarding, one of the core leadership principles to focus on was earning trust with my stakeholders. This was my primary goal, and this enabled me to determine my onboarding roadmap and the way I operate to set myself up for success, such as connecting with the team, listening to their experiences, identifying gaps, and figuring out areas where I could generally add value as a TPM. Whenever I came across an opportunity or a challenge, prioritizing this leadership principle enabled me to make my decisions. And that helped me through my onboarding process, making my decision-making process as much simple as possible. In addition to it, I also truly believe the leadership principle for uh, earning trust is a completely important one for TPMs, but just by virtue of the job because you work with multiple stakeholders. But holding on to that leadership principle and using the decision-making toolkit was very effective. Got it. Got it. So yeah, earning trust, I think even when you think about your first 90 days, right? Earning Mm -hmm. trust is a very, very core component of any TPM's initial journey. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting point. Are there other leadership principles you'd like to uh, touch upon? Certainly, Mario. So in general, the leadership principles are the core values you adopt as a team. And each of them are unique and each of them are interpreted differently by different people based on their experience and expertise. However, cumulatively, they are set in place for delivering value to a customer as a key result. Of these, my favorites are earning trust, ownership, and bias for action. I think delivering results is an inherent part of the job from my perspective. However, that's, again, once again, my take on it. Let me give you an example why ownership, in my opinion, is a key leadership principle and inherently partners with all the other 13 of them. Let's say I take ownership of a program. I would like for it to succeed, which inherently makes me obsessed with my customer. I need to have good judgment to make the right decisions. I need to untrust with my partners. I will hire and develop the best teams to execute on that program and think about the big picture and vision of the product. So if you see where I'm going with this, all these leadership principles are actually interrelated with each other. They are designed to complement each other and elicit critical thinking. That's really interesting. What our listeners probably didn't realize is the way this word her last answer was that she had all the leadership principles, not all, but a large majority of the leadership principles tying all back into ownership. Ownership is a leadership principle. And then being obsessed with the customer is a leadership principle. And because you're obsessed with your customer, you also have great, you try tend to have great judgment because it's all focused on the customer. And then you earn trust with your partners, with your team by ensuring your customer gets the best. And then when you're working with your team, you're also trying to hire and build and develop the best. So 
in her opinion, she's like, if you take on ownership and ownership is your cornerstone of your leadership principle, everything else kind of falls into place. And I think Viswa also mentioned this earlier on when we started our conversation. These are very much life-guiding principles, right? And I think every individual picks upon like one or two principles which they love dearly and everything else kind of fits in together as a puzzle and everybody draws different aspects of each leadership principle. So it is a very interesting way to look at things. There are also some leadership principles that appear to be in conflict, right? Yes, Mario, you're right. You caught it. So there are certain principles such as are right a lot, which means leaders are expected to make the right call and learn and be curious, which is another principle. Those are fairly conflicting with each other because I need to learn to be able to be right. So how yeah. do you emphasize both of those? Likewise, you we make, have make something, a lot of mistakes yeah. before you're right, right? Till you get right, to being exactly. right all the time, I feel we all make mm-hmm. mistakes and you have to make mistakes and learn. Certainly. Likewise, we have the dive deep and bias for action. And in my mind, if I'm diving deep, I am delaying action. So that does not fare well with the bias for action leadership principle. However, I think this is by design. This is where the individual critical thinking comes into effect. And each situation might demand different things, right? So I think that's where kind of, I feel though a lot of people think about conflict as a negative thing, I think what you said here makes a lot of sense, right? Conflict actually brings about something good. If you think about it that way, it completely changes your perspective because two people are fighting or two people are trying to come to an agreement on something and both of them have different values and beliefs. So I think most of those situations result in a better end result when there is conflict and when these people care about something, right? I think it's very different. So that's that's a very interesting thought. So yeah, let's continue to talk about the TPM role. How do you define, in your journey, in your current role, how do you define the TPM role? Let's talk a little bit about how you see the role, how you see what the main skills that are needed for the role. So let's start with how do you describe the role? You as an individual, how do you describe the TPM role? Mario, for every time I've been asked that question, I wish I could describe it in one short sentence. And, and doesn't but it that's change, not going to happen. Doesn't it change also? <laughs> it changes with the org. It changes with the company you're in. It changes with the business unit you're in. It changes with the team. So it like changes so much, mm-hmm. right? It even changes with the person you're just interacting with at that yes. point in time because they have, will have a completely orthogonal understanding of what this role does. Yeah. So what's your take? Yeah. It's a very malleable role, Mario. I don't I don't need to explain more, but it varies based on the needs of the team and you wear different hats at different points in time. From my perspective, the simplest way to explain is a TPM owns seeing a product end-to-end from inception to delivery and even after that. And in a sense, is the glue for executing and successfully delivering a program. I can break down further into tasks. This is a very, I know, understand this is a very vague and ambiguous description. I can give a little bit more uh, objective tasks, which TPMs generally do, yeah. which include managing your, yeah, this includes things like managing your stakeholders, delivering roadmaps, managing the priorities and risks in your program. You want to report and bubble status up to leadership chain and provide visibility generally into what's happening with your product. 
you focus on the process engineering, improvisations around the team, you contribute to technical design and the vision of the product, in addition to numerous other things TPMs do on a day-to-day basis. One key thing, which I believe is quintessential for TPMs, is to be the voice of the customer to be able to develop a peripheral vision and look around the corners to make sure that your team's hard work cannot be derailed and what are all the ancillary tasks which need to be done in order to make your program succeed in general. So uh, it's a specialized role, Mario, and all teams do not require a TPM. It's a very uniquely required role, especially at Amazon. Being a technology company, the T and TPM brings immense value. For yeah, you to be able to make me, the right decisions for your program. Let yeah. me ask you that. I was just talking yesterday mm-hmm. with somebody at Amazon, and we, mm-hmm. were, we were having the discussion on um, when is a TPM really necessary? And I think you touched upon that. Like a TPM is not always, if this is, I don't know how many people know this. A lot of teams at Amazon might not have TPMs. They don't need to have TPMs. The engineering manager, which we'll also talk about later uh, from a role perspective, but an engineering manager might actually do the job of a TPM if if the team isn't either big enough or is the team if the team doesn't have too many touch points or if the team is just doing something in V1 where they're just developing a product, they might not need a TPM, right? So it's it comes down to that real part where Viswa did describe very clearly, like there are a hundred things that TPM does, but it's kind of really very vague or very kind of odd to see that it's a role that helps the team scale in a sense, right? It's a role that right, owns right. the end-to-end product, is kind of the glue when there are multiple teams in play. And also you can think about this also mentioned this. She said a TPM helps in executing a program really well. And sometimes it's that laser focus that a TPM has in getting a program done. And a program might not be the responsibility of a team. It might have to be done strong across several other teams. And the only person who's owning that as a program would be a TPM. Does that make sense? Did did what I'm saying make sense? Yes, Mario, you are right. When it comes to programs which are, or products which are very limited for limited or have scope, which is within internal teams, an engineering manager for predominantly can take care of some of the TPM skill sets. However, when it comes to programs which span across multiple touch points, multiple different teams, you have innumerable dependencies to manage. You want to align on their roadmap. You want to engage with those teams. You want to bring some structure to the chaotic project management which happens over there. Also make sure that the technical aspects of things, like for example, you might be working with three or four different teams who have different versions coming up in the next year. And you probably are working on the current version. So you need to now manage the risk for your team. You want to understand that, hey, next year, their version is going to change. The technology version is going to change. So how do I account for that today in my current program roadmap? So these are the kind of futuristic thinking which a TPM should exercise. And TPMs are 
that's the reason why it's a specialized role because these are very abstract. What I'm telling you now is abstract and it is not restrictive at all and it is not always going to happen. But these are things to anticipate for and that is where a TPM plays an excellent role and sits in the middle of the tech, the business, the non-tech stakeholders and pulls them all together and moves the program forward. And sometimes, yeah, that's it's fantastic, like how you encapsulate the whole thing. There's also this other piece, right, where sometimes when you work with developers, they try to get into the nitty gritty of things and how something's going to be executed, how you do that. And sometimes as an engineering team, we forget the voice of the customer. So the TPM also is one of those people who has this kind of a, a broader lens to look at everything from whether we are we are on V1, what happens when V2 comes along. At the same time, what is my impact to the customer, right? So that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, any, right, anything Mario. else you want so, to add? So you also spoke about the T, right, in the TPM? Right. How important is the T in your opinion? And, and how do you classify whether somebody's technical enough for a TPM? I think I ask all the people I've ever done a podcast with because you get a variety of answers on this. (laughs) Certainly, Mario. So this is my way of looking at things. Of course, a TPM works with an engineer on engineering on a day-to-day basis. When we run into engineering roadblocks, a TPM should be positioned enough and have the aptitude to be able to foresee the repercussions of that particular issue or the decision make a design decision which is being made. In addition to the technical aptitude, the TPM, that is why they are sitting with the business too, because you need to have an idea of what is the future roadmap for the product so that you make sure your engineering is not designing something which cuts them into the corner without having the ability to expand into a future version or a future roadmap for that product. As you said, I think I'm going to quote uh, uh, Ethan Evans over here. Engineers are infamously or famously optimistic. So they focus on, let's say I ask my engineers to build a phone. They're going to immediately jump on it, get the chips, get the product, start coding the software and focus on developing the phone. But what they fail to see is all the other aspects. Am I meeting the regulatory conditions for this phone? How will it behave when it's uh, thrown into fire? Is it going to be childproof or is do I need to inculcate something which requires uh, child safety? So these are a lot of things which are in the periphery of writing code and periphery of implementing a product. From my perspective, the TPM works with the product manager, the marketing, the sales, like a lot of tech and non-tech people to bring all these ideas to the table and cohesively make it into a program plan and works on executing it. So at this point, when my engineering team comes uh, up with a design... Can I I stop you? I think, I don't know how many people realize that this first said, oh, quoting Ethan Evans, but Ethan Evans was my previous podcast interview, which I did. I think you spoke about the phone and how an engineer would go and build it. I think Ethan also mentions this in his podcast where TPMs being generally curious. And if you aren't curious, you would not do all the things Viswa just spoke about. Like, is it what is going to happen if you throw it into fire? What are the regulatory requirements? Nobody's going to tell the TPM to go do all these things. A TPM putting on his customer hat needs to think what are all the things I need to do which I'm not doing. And that's his bread and butter, right? And you really, really need to think from that perspective as a TPM. It's not just that's being customer obsessed. The first 
and the most important point, according to Viswa, on the leadership principles, right? Where you're talking about being customer obsessed, that is being customer obsessed. What do you think, Viswa? Yeah, spot on, Mario. And I think these are also thought processes which TPMs accumulate as and when they go through multiple product development. Certainly when someone is just coming into a TPMing world, may not have the exposure. But very quickly they will learn these things because that's when they realize the responsibility and importance of thinking from the customer's perspective and bringing it to the table every day at work and with everyone you interact with. Yeah, and then sometimes when you bring about these questions like even the regulatory one which you mentioned i think it's a phenomenal example when you're building a phone right maybe halfway through your program you realize that there's a external factor that could jeopardize your entire program the question is how quickly can you bring it to somebody's attention and how quickly can you understand what the implications are right and sometimes that's a very scary road to go down on as an individual, as a person, as a human being. But that's what TPMs need to do. They need to have the guts to look danger in the eye sometimes and go on that journey to figure out what the implications of those things are. And those are things which people Mar- don't talk about. Go ahead. Right, Mario. And I'll add one more thing. You will eventually learn about these peripheral items, as you said, the regulatory, compliance, security, and whatnot. But another important thing which a TPM needs to do is bring that back to your team and influence your team to absorb it and execute on it also. You need to make sure all the people who you work with also see the risks or the constraints that you see in from your perspective and are able to think of the implications and quantitatively determine how to factor it into their uh, implementation plan. And I think this is where influencing without authority is a paramount trait for the TPM. And it's plays really strongly well together with many of Amazon's leadership principles and in general for TPMs who are working on high-impact products altogether. Yep, that is true. Let's move on. I think that was a very good conversation. Let's move on. Since you've started Amazon, it's been close to a year now. What are all the things that you've learned as a TPM in this one-year span? Mario, Amazon is an excellent school of learning. Specifically for TPMs who are excited about products that have large-scale impact. Considering Amazon continues to lead the industry and setting a very high bar for what TPMs can accomplish. Let me break this question down a little bit more. If you ask me what I learned during ramp-up time or what one would learn during the ramp-up time, there is how, how long there is are tons of information. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. How long is so, it? When you yeah. talk about ramp-up, how long? What is the ramp-up time you think for a TPM who's just starting out? Mario, the ramp-up time for TPMs in general is around three months, 90 days. And for those 90 days, you generally have week-over-week and month-over-month incremental ramp-up information served to you in your onboarding plan. And based on that, you slowly slowly and fast learn about how TPMing at Amazon is. You learn about the foundations of program management. You learn about the SDE bootcamp. And you learn about multiple cultural things which are specific to Amazon. I found it personally supremely uh, useful to familiarize myself with the TPM role guidelines, which is something which defines at different levels of TPM, what are the expectations and what are the things you, what are the scale at which you'll be operating. Yeah, I think that's uh, super important. We have something very similar in my current organization. 
And how it works is if you're a senior TPM, what is the real expectation of you? Where does ownership start? How big should the program be? It's fairly self-explanatory in a lot of angles, but it ensures that you're not missing out on what your responsibilities are in general because the role is fairly vague, right? So understanding what the role guidelines are is, is definitely a key in any organization for that matter. And anything else that uh, you'd want to add to that? Oh, certainly, Mario. One thing to keep in mind is TPMs are not a job family which you come directly fresh grad from college. Most TPMs are seasoned who have expertise, who've had other jobs before, such as yeah. they would have been, they might have been SBMs, PMs, even work with people who come from business background who do not have a technical aptitude, but eventually learned it on the job and bring it to the table now. Yeah, so that's uh, a so very good point, varies. right? For yeah. everybody else, that's a really, really good point. Generally, you do not see TPMs. This is not only at Amazon, but most organizations. You do not see TPMs who are fresh out of college, right? You do not see TPMs, people starting their career as TPMs. Just like how Viswa's career journey is, I'll add her LinkedIn on the webpage as well, or mine or any other TPM. If you look at TPMs, they're generally people who've been developers for a couple of years, who've been SDETs for a couple of years, who've been a product manager or who've been an engineering manager. So a TPM role, because you're handling so many things and you need to have a lot of experience in managing people, though people don't report into you, you generally have a good set of industry experience, right? It could be anywhere from like five years to seven to 10 years doing other types of roles in an engineering organization before you actually move into a TPM role. Isn't that what you were trying to say? Yeah, certainly. So where I was going with that is when people come, especially into Amazon, more often than not, you are seasoned enough, uh, you're mature enough in your career at that point in time as a TPM. And Delta over here is to learn how TPMing at Amazon works. So personally, I immerse myself in Amazon's peculiar ways, which includes the day one culture, day one philosophy, the concept of one way and two way door decision making. And Amazon's way of writing is an immaterial of what your role is. Amazon's way of writing is an excellent way to clean up one's thoughts yeah. and put it down in pen and paper. 